what is it about scary movies and TV shows that is appealing to us? Yeah. So to some of us, there is no appeal. <laughs> there, there are theories out there, though, about what it is about scary shows or movies that, that draw us in, want to make us watch. You know, one theory is that they give uh, ventilation to something inside of us that's not quite right, that's a little bit <laughs> creepy or sinister or dark, and it just taps into that and lets it out for a moment from a distance. There's another theory that scary things like shows and, and uh, movies give us an opportunity to, um, from a distance, experience the escape of something horrible or terrible, that it, that it, and it gets resolved. And so we can go through all of that and come out the other side of it safe. There's another theory, though, why, why we're drawn to scary movies or television shows, and that's because fear is powerful. There's just something about the upside down <laughs> or clowns with red balloons. <laughs> it, fear is powerful. It, it does something chemically in us. It triggers that fight or flight reflex inside of all of us. It, it causes a, a release of adrenaline. And adrenaline can be addicting. You know, it just it gets us amped up. It, it heightens our sense of awareness. Like whatever that is behind you guys, right over there. I don't know what that is. But it's, yeah, I got you. She looked. She didn't want to look, but she I got to look. You know, and then it all settles back down and calms back down. But fear is powerful. It's a powerful motivator, and a healthy sense of fear can be helpful, right? I mean, it, uh, it, it's what promotes the preservation and survival for us and, and our species, Fear or a healthy sense of fear is what motivated people when facing the potential harm of hurricanes. It's what motivated them to evacuate if they could. So fear can be helpful. We, we all have experiences of being afraid, scared, frightened. And there's something about those especially scary experiences that etch something into our brains so that we know what to do with them next time they come up. But fear also has a shadow side, though. It can be harmful. Fear can cause us to freeze, like the proverbial deer in the headlights. Fear can cause us to react or overreact in ways that 
can be just as harmful as whatever it was that we were afraid of to begin with. Like fear puts unnecessary distance in relationships. Because I'm afraid of being rejected or I'm afraid to be honest about me. Fear can cause us to not speak up or stand up because I'm afraid to mess up or that I might upset someone. Fear can cause an innocent, unarmed man to be shot and killed because I was afraid he had a gun. So for the next three weeks here in Chapel Roswell, we're turning fear upside down. We're going to approach fear from the perspective of a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Hopefully you'll get some food for thought or for discussion about fear. And we're going to address fear in three specific ways. Uh, Fear of God, fear of failure, and fear of death. Today we start with the fear of God. And for that, I want to read a passage of Scripture for you from the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 16 through 19. And I'll go ahead and tell you that in these verses, John is actually writing and talking about love. And in the midst of talking about love, he turns to address fear. Fear in light of the love that God has for us. So this is 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. He writes, We have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. This is how love has been perfected in us, so that we can have confidence on the judgment day, because we are exactly the same as God is in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear expects punishment. The person who is afraid has not been made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. One of the first things that John says in those verses is that he's writing to people who have experienced the love of God. In their lives. And in fact, if you read the verses that come before that, John sets all that up talking about love and says, among other things, that it's because of God's love for us that we then love each other. There's verses from 1 John chapter 4 that I like to read at weddings because they talk about love and the nature of love and what love is, and how that's exampled in God and in Jesus. And I offer that to the couples getting married and to everyone there as a blessing 
that their relationship would be based in love and not fear. I wonder if that's not a place today where we could use less fear and more love in our relationships, in our marriages. And actually what John says is, this is how we know what love is. Not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us. And that God gave his son to be a sacrifice for us on our behalf. This is love. A giving, serving, self-sacrificing love. This is what love is. If you're searching for love, to know and understand and experience what is love, really? Well, you don't have to figure it out or fabricate it or find it because what John has told us is this is what love is. God is love. God giving his son to give his life as a sacrifice. This is how God has shown us what love is. Okay, so maybe at this point you're thinking, wait, I thought this was supposed to be about fear, not about love. When does this get scary? Well, probably whenever whatever that is gets up here. Right there, I'm telling you. I'm kidding. Nothing there. John says, living in love is living in God and God living in us. This is love. And this is how love is perfected in us. Is as we live and remain in love. Because John says God is love. In fact, John makes that bold, audacious claim that we can stand with courage on our last day before God without fear. Because as we are perfected in love and love is perfected in us, then we are like God is in this world. What? That hardly sounds Christian in some ways. And let's be honest, for our enlightened, intellectual, industrialized, scientific Christian minds, that just makes no sense. Like, how is that possible? How do we achieve that? How could we possibly make that happen? That we could be perfected in love, that love could be perfected in us, that we could be as God is in this world. That just sounds heretical. And what John is saying is not that you can do that, that you can accomplish that, because we can't. What he says is that as we remain in love, then God's love is perfected in us. That is something that happens in us to us, something that is accomplished 
in us, not that we accomplish it. What's our part? Our part, according to John, is to remain in love. The serving, giving, self-sacrificing love of Jesus is where we stay. When things are good, we love. When things are bad, we love. When things are comfortable and calm, we love. When our very foundations have been shaken and we don't know what to do, we love. And as we remain in love, God's love is made perfect in us. And then John says, perfect love casts out fear. There's no room for fear in love. Because John says, fear expects punishment. There's no punishment in love. And the word that John uses for fear in the Greek, phobos, means dread, terror. And dare I say, there's a strain of Christianity out there that lives terrorized by a vengeful, wrathful God just waiting to smite thee. What John is telling us is there's no place for fear in love, in the security, the assurance of the love of God that has been given to us and to our world in Jesus. Of course, then you got to square that with other things that the Bible says about fear. I mean, there's Proverbs that say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the way to life. So what do you do when it says fear the Lord in order to have life, to have wisdom or knowledge? But it also says perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear. Well, it helps to understand that particularly those Proverbs I mentioned, the word that's used for fear there actually means all. Reverence, respect for God. And I think the problem comes when we mash up the idea of awe and reverence and respect with a fear of wrath and punishment and judgment. And when we mash those two together, we get an unhealthy, unholy understanding of what it means to fear God. And to not be afraid. Man, sure, you can scare the hell out of somebody, but you can't scare the heaven into them. That's not who God is, that's not how God works. John says, God is love. And God's love is perfected in us as we remain in love. 
But remember, fear is a powerful motivator. And because fear is a powerful motivator, it can seem like an effective way to live, an effective basis for relationships, even our relationship with God. But it's not. And the antidote to fear is love. Claudia Highball writes that love is an act of courage. And our world needs more courage, more courageous love, not fear. We receive so many messages about why we should be afraid and who we should be afraid of and what places we should be afraid of and what things we should be afraid of and what conditions we should be afraid of. Be afraid. Be very afraid. We even get that in our faith, in our religion. But God's perfect love casts out fear. Think about the angel of God who brought the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ and said, Fear not. Do not fear. The Messiah has come, the Savior, the Deliverer, the Christ, is born to you this day. Don't be afraid. Fear is not the foundation of our faith. Love is. And about these verses, I appreciate what the late Reverend Bill Self said. Against the lovelessness of fear, John holds up the fearlessness of love. Brothers and sisters, we have been fearlessly loved by God in Christ. So that we could then remain in that love be overcome and overwhelmed by that love. And as that love is perfected in us, it drives out the fear that hides within us. Fear of God, fear of life. So that as we have been fearlessly loved, we can now fearlessly love, courageously love our neighbors and our world. In just a minute, we're going to finish our time together with a song. And I can't think of a better way for us to do it than for us to invite the children among us to lead us as we sing this song called Wonder. Because there's something about a a child. The, The beauty of that awe and reverence and wonder combined with that fearlessness of love that we're born with until it's shamed or beaten out of us. But Oh my goodness, our, our kids are going to stand up in just a minute and lead us as we sing. And the lines of this song say things like, I see the world 
the way you see it, God. I see the world in wonder. I see the world in freedom. And I'm not afraid to follow. And John shares the words of God, the words of Jesus for us that say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of God. Don't be afraid of life. Live life loving fearlessly. And God's love will be perfected in you as you do. So what I'm going to ask is when the kids come to lead us in singing, would you sing with them? They're going to sing loud and proud. And we are too. Listen, they're, they're beautiful. They're amazing. They're going to be right here. And it's going to be great. And some of them are your kids or your grandkids. And I get that. And there's not a cuter kid in the world than yours. And it's wonderful that they're going to sing. But they're coming to lead us as we sing, not to perform for us, you know. They're here so that we would all sing this song to God together fearlessly. So maybe even just as we sing, that could be a step for you today, a fearless step that I will sing these words to God along with the kids among us. And that can just be one step for us into the love of God, the fearless love of God, so that we could live in love, in courage. And then also, while we sing, that's going to be our opportunity to give back to God. So this is, this is when we give our offering, our tithe. If you've brought something to give or... You feel motivated to give, to say, yes, I want to I honor God with what I have, but I also want to be a part of what God is doing through this church to encourage us and our world to be fearlessly loved and to love fearlessly. These are the ways that you can give. And so you can do that while we sing our last song. But as the kids come, I want to ask you if we could pray together. Would you just take a minute to pray with me? And hey, we're we're talking about something powerful. Fear strikes deep in our hearts to that deepest part of who we are. And, and we bring it before God today. And, and even specifically, that understanding that we don't have to fear God. That God is love. And that God has loved us so that God's love can drive fear out from us. Would you be willing to right now open up that place of fear? Oh God, you know us. We are yours. We're the work of your hand. There's nothing that happens in us or around us that escapes you. And you know where our insecurities and our weaknesses and our fears lie. And so we, we open up our lives before you to say thank you for your love, your giving, serving, self-sacrificing, perfect love. God, may we again receive that openly and freely. 
be overcome, overwhelmed by your love so that we can fearlessly love our world. And God, we acknowledge that's not something we do. We don't accomplish it. We hear you calling us just to remain in your love, to stay, to live in your love. Whatever comes, whatever happens, whatever unnerves us or scares us, that we would stay in your love. And that your love would cast out fear. Oh God, as we stand and sing and give, would this be a step for us into your fearless love? This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.